The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. We are in part two of the series, Stand Tall. And our text remains Matthew chapter 5 from verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 14. The word of God says in Matthew 5, 14, that you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. Everybody say, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So, a light, a light, a lamp is placed on a stand. A lamp is placed on a stand. Every light has a stand. You are the light of the world. For you to be effective, for you to fulfill your ministry, you have a stand. Praise the Lord. And everyone whose light has been hidden under a basket in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your light will be placed on your stand in Jesus' name. Everyone whose light is on a stand but is shaking, is being threatened to be displaced, every force that is threatening your placement, God will silence them in Jesus' name. And for those that had occupiers, in fact, just now, I felt God saying to me, that is someone here, maybe more than one, your stand is, is someone else is on your stand. There are many ways out of that. The first way is you can accept it. But if I were you, I won't accept it. <laughs> the second way is you may not accept it and do nothing about it. If I were you, I won't do that either. The third way is you may not accept it and dispossess the person and take your place. And that is what you will do in the mighty name of Jesus. The word of God says that nobody comes into the house or place of a stand of a strong man and takes his place without first binding him and dealing with him. And amazingly, I mean, just take this season seriously. I need to go on. A lamp belongs to a stand. The light of your destiny has a stand that heaven has prepared. And you will take that stand in Jesus' name. 
not only will you take it, it will be impossible for the enemy to displace you. Some of us, we are toying with displacement. Because of a lie of the enemy, because of a bait. Every lie that attempts to displace you, God will frustrate in the name of Jesus. Uh, Let me give you an example. There may be people here, let's say God has given you a husband. But whether you like it or not, there are other ladies that want to displace you. And instead of you to stand well, well, you are playing with displacement. You will not be displaced. I think I need to go now. I feel God is emphasizing this so strongly. Who is that person? Don't raise up your hand, please. <laughs> please. <sighs> Every lamp has a stand. Every lamp has a stand. And today, we, we are going to be looking at a major enemy of, of, of our stand. A major enemy of our stand. There are lots of enemies that try to displace us or tries to prevent us from taking our place. But a major enemy that works at displacing us or preventing us from our stand that we're going to look at today and God is going to dismantle that enemy and destroy that enemy in your life in the name of Jesus. That enemy is called fear. That enemy is called fear. Fear is so prevalent to man. In fact, men, by by men, I mean human beings, men and women, we are prone to fear. And God wants you to be fearless. God wants you to fear not. Researchers tell us that if you search the Bible, there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. How many fear nots are in the Bible? 365. How many days in a year? 365. So put one and one together. For every day there's a fear not. So as you are getting dressed in the morning, as you stand in front of your mirror, you are doing your hair, you are doing your makeup, you are tying your tie, tying your tie, knotting your tie, (laughs) you are knotting your tie, remember to say to yourself, fear not. It's like taking your vitamin for the day. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Psalm 91 verse 5 that we read. The NLT says, Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor 
the arrows that flies in the day. Regardless of the season of life you are in, day or night, don't be afraid. It means that fear is no respecter of seasons. You may be in the season of day. Day means everything is going on, you are blooming, da 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 da. You know, the enemy will still try to fire arrows at you. But God is saying to you today, don't be afraid of the arrows that flies in the day. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be in your night season. And you have a love already. Your hands are filled with challenges that you need to solve. But that doesn't stop the enemy of still bringing terror to your doorstep. But God is saying, don't be afraid of the terror at night. And as human beings, you know, we go from season to season fearing things, things that mostly don't happen. Mostly don't happen. You're a student, secondary school student, you're afraid. Will I pass jam? You pass jam. You're afraid. Will I ever graduate? Will I make a first class? Will I make a two one? Like someone that I know says, will I make a comfortable tutu? I don't know what comfortable tutu is. What it means tutu that is uh, comfortable. Will I make a third class? Will I make a pass? Will I ever graduate? And fear tries to cripple you. But God makes it in such a way you've graduated. Will I get a job? And you are afraid. Then you get a job. Will I get promoted? Then you get promoted. Will I lose this job? Will I get married? Will that day come that I will ever get married? The day will come. And you get married. Will I have children? And you have children. But they are all girls. Will I have boys? Or you have children, they are all boys. Oh, I need a girl. That will take care of me in old age. Have you heard that before? And if, you see, listen, you you, you, you will either live your life by faith or live your life by fear. The choice is yours. You cannot do the two. But the word of God says the just, the justified, born again, child of God, the just shall live by, by faith. The just shall live by faith. Will I get pregnant? You are pregnant. Oh, will I lose this pregnancy? No, you will not. And it goes on and on and on. And God has asked me to tell you this morning, fear not. I want you to look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball. Come on. Look at the eyeball to eyeball. Then tell them, fear not. Some people can't even look eyeball to eyeball. Would you call you? Eyeball to eyeball and say, fear not. 
Fear not. And, you know, psychologists tell us that people fear all sorts of things. They call it phobia. There are a lot of phobias. And in researching for this, this teaching, you know, I mean, I, I saw a whole list of phobias. And it is so long. And I was reading through them. And some things I'm like, you mean people really fear these things? Listen to some of them. There's what is called agyrophobia. The fear of streets. Of crossing the streets. Just going outside and crossing the streets. Some people are afraid of that. There's something called electorophobia. The fear of chicken. <laughs> now, guys, if you are afraid... Back in the day, when somebody is fearful, we call the person a chicken, right? Now, a chicken that is afraid of a chicken. <laughs> Fear of chicken. Then, we have allodoxophobia. Fear of opinions. Then, we have amaxophobia. You won't believe what this is. Fear of riding a car. Some people are afraid. In fact, some people, you are seeing them, they are, they are walking. They still have three kilometers to go. You want to give them a ride. They say, no, 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 pastor, let me walk. Has that happened to you before? That's happened to me several times. I said, madam, let me give you a, no, 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 pastor, let me walk. I said, three kilometers, okay, be walking. <laughs> well, these days, I don't bother stopping anymore because I've received a lot of no's. Okay, fine. So if I don't stop to ask you, don't be upset. The people that have said no enough, I'm afraid of, I have... I have picking up phobia. <laughs> I have no phobia in Jesus' name. <laughs> then there is anabophobia, which is the fear of looking up. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where comes my help? My help comes from where? The Lord. Don't be afraid of looking up. That's where your help comes from. Then there's atichi phobia, the fear of failure. Now, wait for this. There's something that is called cacophobia. It's the fear of ugliness. Some people are afraid of ugly people. <laughs> then you have caligynephobia, the fear of beautiful women. You know, I say if you have caligynophobia, don't come to GFH. Because GFH is filled with a lot of caligynes. <laughs> I guess if caligynophobia means fear of beautiful women, the caligyne must be beautiful women. <laughs> then you have the fear. Of daylight, phangophobia. Then you have the fear of falling in love, philophobia. Then you have the fear, now, crematophobia. Even before I tell you what it means, say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke crematophobia. <laughs> crematophobia. <laughs> 
is the fear of money. May you never have crematophobia in the name of Jesus. Abba. And the list goes on and on. There's the fear of mother-in-law. There's all sorts of fears. But you see, First John 1 John 1.18, God says to us, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. First John 4.18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love does what? Drives out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So God is saying, all these cryptophobia, all, all the phobias, God is saying, cast them out. Push them out. Because God wants you to be established in the love of the Father. In fact, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25, Proverbs 3, 25, says to us, don't be afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked. Did he say if it comes? When it comes. So fear is inevitable. God says don't fear. In other words, God is saying don't fear fear. Don't be afraid of fear. That's what God is saying to you and I. Don't be afraid of fear. Don't Fear, fear. Don't be afraid of fear. Fear will come, but don't be afraid. There are things you need to do and you are afraid. God says, don't be afraid of the fear. So, being fearless, God wants us to be fearless. And being fearless is not being where we feel no fear. No, 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 no. Being fearless is a state where you are no longer afraid of fear. Being fearless is not being where you feel no fear. And, and that's why a lot of us, we make a lot of effort to get to that place where we feel no fear. You, it doesn't happen. If you get to it, it's transient. It's transient. It doesn't last forever. Fear will come and knock on your doorstep. But God is saying to you, don't be afraid of fear. Don't be afraid of fear. Don't be afraid of fear. I had a friend a long time ago, over a decade ago. She was pretty smart and she couldn't pass maybe her final ICANN exam. It was an ICANN exam. I don't know what stage, but I think it was her final. And she has been failing that ICANN exam over and over and over. And she says to me, every time I get afraid that she knows she's going to fail the exam and she always fails the exam. She studies, she's ready for the exam and she says every time, so she, she's making a lot of effort not to be afraid because she knows as soon as she gets afraid she's going to fail the exam. And I said to her, that's not what the Bible says. You have to face the fear and in spite of the fear, pass the exams. And I showed her this same scripture. Don't be afraid of sudden fear when it comes. And for her, it was a light bulb moment. She said, so, 
I should not be afraid of the fear. I said, yeah, don't be afraid of the fear. So when the fear comes and it tries to paralyze me, what do I do? Stand up against the fear. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I am going to pass this exam. Face the fear. Don't worry about exterminating the fear. Confront the fear. And guess what? She prepared for the exam. The fear came. She confronted the exam and she blasted the exam. She passed it. The same person, the same person. (laughs) So what am I saying? Simple. For you to fulfill your destiny, you will have to do some things regardless of the fear that you feel. For you to fulfill your destiny, you will have to do some things regardless of the fear. The fear is there. You have to take the step in spite of the fear. You have to take the step. You are afraid of the unknown, but you have to step on the water. There are many things. Looking back at my life, there are a lot of things I have done afraid. (laughs) But I have learned to move in spite of the fear. I have a lot of my friends, colleagues, pastors, that said to me, we are sharing, and they're like, were you not afraid when you took this step? I said to them, I was afraid. You were afraid? Yes. And they couldn't believe it. But you don't look like you were afraid. But I was afraid. When we wanted to move into this place, everything said, hmm. And honestly, if you look at it in the physical, <laughs> I, you, know, you, know, you know the story. A friend of mine, a pastor, has been here like twice. You know, we, on the Saturday, we were here on the Friday or Saturday, I can't remember of the Sunday, not the immediate Sunday, the upper Sunday that we had first service here, this road was not maturable. This whole place was swamp, as in knee-deep swamp. All sorts of creatures were here, chameleons. I'm telling you, I've seen chameleons. I saw chameleons. I thought it was a crocodile. (laughs) But when I looked well, it was a chameleon because it has changed color. All sorts of things. But, and I said to him, we are having service here upper Sunday. He said, upper Sunday? I said, yes. And I said, you should pray. And he prayed a powerful prayer. And later, that Sunday evening, the upper Sunday evening, he was in the U.S., he called me. After all the pleasantries, he says, Pastor Femizo, where did you have service? I said, we had it on the land. He shouted. So my man, I said, you didn't even believe your prayers. <laughs> he prayed. He didn't believe it. Were you not afraid? Of course. But I know that he that watches over Israel does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. The sun shall not smite me by day. Not the moon by night. So I learned to do a lot of things afraid. 
A lot of things are freed. In fact, I remember the story. <laughs> I've said it, I think, once or twice here. You know, long time ago, before Pastor Kunle and Pastor Moralake got married, they were still toasting themselves back in the day. <laughs> so we were coming together for some, a prayer meeting. At about 3 a.m., so myself, I was driving my wife, they remember now. <laughs> then both of them were at the back. I don't know what they were doing at the back. I didn't see their hands. But we were just talking. <laughs> I'm not indicting anybody. But we were just talking. And four of us in the car were just, were just having fun. We just talk, 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 talk. Say, I, don't, wait, I don't even remember what we were saying. But as we got to the toll gate... I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, keep quiet, shut up. And I said, okay. So I kept quiet. Everybody else was talking, my wife, everybody else was talking. I kept quiet. I was still driving. I was like, okay, Lord, okay, I'm keeping quiet. <laughs> As we go to, I can't remember, where is that place again? They ran about towards Ogudu. Before Ogudu. Before Ogudu. Just in the Surah experience. We had another one in Surah. <laughs> Before Ogudu. I remember that one. Armed robbers. They had guns pointed at us. Cars before us had been parked. I could feel the fear. It was tangible. And the Holy Spirit said to me, keep moving. Now, does that make sense? My legs were shaking. And the car was moving so slowly, you would think I would march on it, right? And it would zoom. For where? I was going like. <laughs> Pastor Brother would tell me later on that she was like, What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Go faster. <laughs> because I was terrified. And they staggered themselves. So the ones that stopped us, there was another, one, another batch afterwards. And we went through all of them. And they did not shoot at us. They did not stop us. Nothing. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Question. Was I afraid? Did I keep moving? Did I stop? Did I take away the fare? In fact, I couldn't even drive. I, we had to go to Bagada. I don't know if you guys remember. We had to go to Bagada to my parents in house. And we parked there. <laughs> and, and I was scared stiff. In your life, you will have to do many things scared. Don't be afraid of fear. 
don't be afraid of fear. So, being fearless is not the absence of fear. But the absence of the fear of fear. You know what they call the fear of fear. So, being fearless is not the absence of fear. It's not getting rid of fear. It's, it's, it's the, the absence of the fear of fear. I'll give you an example. I first watched experience. Um, I, I, was, I usually would pray and do prayer works in the estate I live in. So, and, and I sometimes do that close to midnight or early hours in the morning. So, preparing for this service, I was praying, working, praying. And many times, when I'm doing that, I'm disconnected from the environment. I, I know cars are going by, you know. I know people are passing. But, you know, I'm just kind of talking to God and taking instructions and just sometimes worshiping and just, you know. I was praying and every time I get to this house, in front of this gate, there's this dog that is like, it's like a mixture of a dog and a leopard. <laughs> vicious will come at the gate and back and every time every single time I get startled then I catch myself then I continue to walk every time every time my heart pounds and I get overwhelmed with fear why? because the next day I'm praying, I've forgotten. But every time I get there, the dogs never gives up. So this guy, you've come again. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I always get startled. But today, midnight, thereabout, I was praying for this service. I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying. And I felt God saying to me, that house... You are approaching that house. I was like, the house that has the dog. I'm like, who is afraid of the dog? <laughs> and the conversation went on. So I was conscious of that house. So as I got close to the house, I was watching the gate. I couldn't see the dog. But as I got in front of the gate, it's like the dog could smell me from the back. <laughs> he came charging at me, barking, barking and barking and hitting his nose at the gate. But this time, I was not afraid. In fact, this time I said to the dog, nyeh, 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 nyeh. I, I mean, <laughs> I did that really, really, really. Don't look at me bad. For those of you that love dogs, you know, I say, I can't, that is Abuse, animal abuse, yes. <laughs> so. And I walked away. And God said to me, that's exactly how fear is. Fear is a caged dog. As far as the child of God is concerned, it can only bark. It cannot come near you, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So the next time you get harassed by fear, yeah, 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 yeah. 
In fact, when I did that, after a while, the dog stopped. I looked at me like, is this guy okay? <laughs> Fear is a caged dog. As far as the child of God is concerned. It's a what? A caged dog. Now I'm going to talk about three fears that attempts to dislocate us or destabilize us from our stand or prevent us from taking our stand and standing tall as the light of the world and will be done. The first is, are you writing? Are you writing? You have to come to church with your pen and paper and not just paper, a notebook or you have a digital device that you are taking a note on. The first is the fear of people's opinion. The fear of people's opinion. Some of us have been prevented from being the best that we can be because we are afraid what this person will say. We are afraid what, of what that person will say. We don't become all that we can be because of the fear of people's opinion. The number of businesses that have died. Some never existed because of the fear of what people will think or what people will say. The number of marriages that could have been today and glorifying God that never existed because, oh, I cannot marry from... Um, City alone. What will people say? I cannot marry from. And someone says to me, Oh, Pastor, are you trying to say that uh, if a Christian can marry an Osu? You know who the Osu tribe is? Listen carefully. If you're a Christian and you found the person in someone that is an Osu, who has called the person Osu? Is it God or is it man? And you're afraid because of what people will say. You need to be delivered from people pleasing. Praise the name of the Lord. The amount of destinies that have been truncated because of what people will say is scary. It's totally scary. Craig Groeschel puts it nicely this way by saying, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest, the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. So you cannot be a God pleaser and a people pleaser at the same time. It will not work. You cannot be a God pleaser and a people pleaser at the same time. It will not work. If you choose to please God, sometimes you will rub off negatively on people. You have to be able to live with that. And some of us are sitting down there like, okay, well, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm the people pleaser a little bit. Maybe I'm not. I'll give you three signs for you to know you're a people pleaser. Number one, you're a people pleaser if you feel 
less than adequate if you don't have clothing or car with the right label. You're a people pleaser if you feel less than adequate if you're not wearing um, Praga, Prada, Praja. <laughs> you know. If you're not carrying the bag, you know the bag. If you don't have human hair on your head, maybe it's monkey hair you should have. <laughs> so, me, it looks like monkey hair. You say, this is human hair. I say, eh, okay. My heart, I say, chai, it looks like monkey hair. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> if you feel less than adequate until you can drive a Ferrari. Yeah, people please her. Because it's all about what people think about you. If you feel less than adequate because you can't go to the meeting with a suit that is not Amani, you need to be delivered. And Jesus will set you free. Number two, if you feel you must have the right friends or join the right social club to be accepted, you're a people pleaser. If you feel you must have the right friends to be accepted in the society, you're a people pleaser. Number three, how do I know I'm a people pleaser? If you if your decisions are laced with these underlining questions, you are thinking, what will people think? What will they, will they like me if I do this? Will people love me if I do that? Will this make me fit in? Will I be among? You know, I know man that's, a lady that said to her husband that don't you see how everybody in church, how they dress don't you see the suit that Pastor Kunle is wearing you better go and otherwise I'm not going to follow you to church I'm telling you a real life story Who cares what you wear? Praise the Lord. There's a lady that says that <clears throat> you better go and rent that house in that estate. Can't you see the house that uh, Pastor Paula is living in? Who cares? If you struggle with those things, you, you are a people pleaser. And that fear can keep you from your destiny. But Jesus will set you free today in Jesus' name. Totally. The key to being free from people pleasing is simple. The key to being free from people pleasing is this. The only person you are capable of totally pleasing is God. That's the key. You need to understand that the only person you are capable of pleasing is God. You are not capable of pleasing any other human being. In fact, you will discover that hmm, no human beings are 
unpleasable. If they say you jump, you've jumped. If they say you rock, you've walked. You know, uh, Obey in those days used to sing philosophical songs. It means there's nothing you can do. He gave the story of a son and his father and a donkey. That the son and the father were on the donkey. They were riding the donkey. And the people of the world says, wicked people. They want to kill the donkey. The father said, okay, let me get down. Let my son ride on the donkey while I'm walking on the floor. They say, Baba Mugo, foolish man. He is walking on the floor. The son is riding the donkey. But master, okay, son, you come down. Let me ride the donkey. The world will say, wicked man is riding the donkey and allowing his son to walk on the floor. The father says, okay, fine. Let's both of us walk on the floor and let the donkey go for free. He says, look at them, oh, moo, moo. <laughs> there's, there's nothing they can do. The conclusion is there's nothing you can do. And the converse is also the case. The only person that is capable of satisfying you is God. That will set you free totally. Your husband doesn't have the capacity to. Your wife does not have the capacity to. The only person. You know, some couples turn, they frustrate themselves. Why? Because the wife is doing everything to satisfy the man. And she's discovering very quickly that men are insatiable. Uh, And vice versa. The man is doing everything. Human being is insatiable. I'm not saying you shouldn't do your best. Of course. After you've done all you can, just then, just then, you finish doing, you've done all you can do, leave the rest to God. Do I get an amen? So you live for the audience of one. Isaiah 8, 13. Isaiah 8, 13 says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him alone be your fear. Let him alone be your dread. Number two, the second fear is the fear, and this is interesting, is the fear of being authentic. The second fear that prevents us from reaching our potential, our destiny, is the fear of being authentic. A lot of people are afraid to, to be who they are. A lot of us, we like to wear masks. We like to wear masks of other people that we admire. There's nothing wrong in admiring people. But be yourself. We love to like wear masks. That's why you, you see some ladies, they look like Beyonce. But guess what? You're a photocopy of Beyonce. Photocopy is fake. 
It's not the original document. Even if you get it certified by a notary public, it's still fake. What am I saying? God has created you an original, as, as, as you know. And, and the reason many are afraid of being authentic is because they see themselves as inferior, lower quality. They see themselves as inferior. They don't believe that they are in the image of God. They don't believe that there's something in them that the world needs. But that is the truth. God has made us all unique. So inferiority complex creeps in. And inferiority complex is, 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 is the lack of self-worth. They don't have the self-worth and the feeling of not measuring up to standard. Admire great people. Learn from great people, but be yourself. Be yourself. Inferiority complex is not humility. Last week we talked about humility. It's not humility. Some people think inferiority complex is humility. No, 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 no. It's not humility. It can be confused for humility, but it is not humility. Eleanor Roosevelt, the wife of um, one of the U.S. presidents, past presidents, said, very profound, she said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent, without your permission. Nobody can make you feel inferior without permission. So, did you, do you feel inferior to someone? You are responsible for feeling inferior. Nobody can make you feel inferior. Says, oh, pastor, this, ah, this um, person's heart is, in fact, ladies don't even wear hats in God's of <laughs> Are you sure you are going to heaven? You are not wearing hats? <laughs> Someone has said that to me before. Pastor, the women in this church must wear hats. They must tie their hair. So that they can make it to heaven. The gate is narrow. We'll leave that for another day. God wants you to be you. God wants you to be you. God wants you to be you. God is not interested in creating clones. Not at all. Unfortunately, you know, some pastors, you hear them preach, sometimes you are wondering, who is that? You know? Thank God for Billy Graham, but God doesn't want to be. God doesn't want another Billy Graham. He would have created one if he wanted one. Thank God for Pastor Deboe, but God doesn't want another Pastor Deboe. He's had enough of one. Uh, thank God for WF Kumuyi. God doesn't want another WF Kumuyi. He's had enough of one. We are waiting for you. He said to your neighbor, we are waiting for you. We are waiting for you. And that, that, that's why, personally, I dislike that, that name, Junior. Junior to who? 
junior to your father. Now listen, no matter how great your father is, you are going to be greater than him. So you are not junior to nobody. I have a friend, you know, in Pasishala, back in the day, he was one that began to be thinking in that direction. You know, his first son. And, you know, at the naming ceremony, everybody was like, oh, his family people were like, oh, ah, this is junior. It looks so much like you. And the guy revolted and said he's not junior to anybody. And that's a good father. Since this boy is not junior to me, he's not junior to anybody, he has his destiny. And I was there for the first time, I was okay. So I, I processed it, and he was correct. He was right. If you check the scriptures, there's a man called Zechariah. Zechariah was, his, was, was in the class of the, of the priest that, that goes into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifice before the presence of God. How high a spiritual height can a son be to be greater than that? But when John the Baptist was born, as we know, and the people gathered and they looked at the boy, a boy, oh, he must be like his father. His name shall be called Zachariah. And the mother said, not so. Not so. His name is John. Whoa. You know, thank God for mothers that we stand and face the culture, the pressure of family, and determine the destiny of their children in spite of the pressure. So he says, no, his name is John. And he gave the, the, the um, a tablet to his father, you know, and the father beckoned, and he gave him a pen. And the man wrote, his name is John. What does that tell us? Check the Bible, Genesis and Revelations. You will not see any junior. Uh, no apologies if your name is Junior here. No apologies, Junior. <laughs> if you have a son, Junior. No, no. Sorry, that's no apologies. No offense. <laughs> I, 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 no offense, but really no apologies. But no offense. No apologies. No offense. <laughs> no offense. But it's the truth because the name. Your destiny is connected to your name. Jesus was walking on the street of Nazareth. He was not a threat to anybody as long as he was bearing Jesus, the son of the carpenter. The day he says, I am the Christ, Jesus Christ, he said he will kill him. Why? Because your name triggers your destiny. Your name triggers your destiny. As Zechariah wrote, his name is John. He didn't say his name will be John. This, this destiny is preordained. His name is John. Guess what happened to him? He was dumb. He, began to, he was able to speak. The yoke of the father was broken when the father released the son into his destiny. When the father releases his children to his destiny, his own greatness is expanded. A father, a physical father, a spiritual father, when a father releases his children to their destinies, his joke, his, his, his joke is broken, his coast is expanded. And guess what? John became greater than his father. His father was a priest 
John was a prophet. And not only was he a prophet, Jesus said, of all that were born of women up until that time, none was greater than John. Jesus said that. So John was greater than his father. Why limit his destiny to your, to your own uh, mediocrity? It's not that you are even that great yet. But you will be very great. <laughs> Say amen. In Jesus' name. You are the light of the world. Please don't deprive us of you. We want to meet you. Unleash to us. Let the name of Jesus be glorified. Number three. Number one is the fear of what? Come on. The fear of? Number two is the fear of what? Fear of being authentic. Number three is the fear, the fear that tries to keep us, keep us from our stand, our light from our stand to shine, is the fear of confrontation. Is the fear of confrontation. Standing tall is not about being arrogant, like we said last week. It is about being relevant. And many times, many, many times, relevance requires confrontation. People of Israel have been in bondage for about 400 years. 300, 400 years. And they cried to God. And God wanted to break that yoke. Moses needed to be relevant in the issue. And Exodus 8.20, in Exodus 8.20, God said to Moses, Exodus 8.20, God said, Rise up early, Moses, in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. God said to Moses, get up, go to... If you knew who Pharaoh was, Pharaoh at the time could kill, he could spare, and anything he does was, was law. And God said, go and stand tall before Pharaoh. Go and stand before Pharaoh. Go and confront Pharaoh. Go and confront Pharaoh. I don't know the Pharaoh that is crippling you or intimidating you. I believe God is saying to you this morning, go and stand before Pharaoh. Do I get an amen? amen? Go and stand before Pharaoh. Why? Because you cannot be free from what you are unwilling to confront. You cannot be free from what you are unwilling to confront. As long as you are unwilling to confront it, you cannot be free from it. God says, go and confront Pharaoh. And if you refuse to confront it, fine. Just stay with it. Enjoy it. But please don't complain. But if you want change, you have to stand up and stand tall. You know, when I work out, I was sharing, when I work out, I, I like using the time to listen to podcasts. I have a whole lot of podcasts on, on my devices. You know, and I was listening to this podcast on, um, from uh, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is some financial guy in the U.S. He's a Christian. I don't even know Dave Ramsey. Okay. Um, more people in first person experience. Solid guy. Very, very solid. And, you know, I was listening to him and 
a lady called in a man. Well, okay, two, a lady and a man. The, the man that called in, he said, oh, that he's married to a lady and the lady is a spendthrift and he wants to take charge of their finances and all the lady loves is shopping. I was a shopping. Just shopping, you know. And she likes to spend. And the o- that's the only thing. There's nothing wrong in shopping, but, you know, you have to take charge of your financial future. And he said, because of our spending attitude, they are separated. But because he loves his wife so much, he went back and made up and all that. And they've been back for just two weeks. And he was saying, in just two weeks, she has spent over $20,000. Just what will he do? You know, I love Dave Ramsey because he doesn't take prisoners. He shoots straight. He said to him, you are enabling the dysfunction. And the guy said, oh, whenever he tries to talk to her or stop her, or da, 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 that, you know, she makes his life miserable. She's the only child, an only child, so she's practically spoiled. So he can't bear it anymore. He wants his peace, and because he wants his peace, you know, and the man says that if you, know, you, if you want your, what peace are you talking about? Peace of bankruptcy? <laughs> Face her. Face the issue. Confront the issue. Oh, she may leave me. So, now, the lady that called him, grandmother, financially sufficient until they began to take care of their daughter who was married and her husband has a drug problem, addiction problem. They had children, grandchildren, and she's saying they're about to go bankrupt. Why? Because they need to pay their mo- the mortgages of these adults, take care of the grandchildren, and they couldn't afford it anymore. What does she do? And the man said, you are funding the man's addiction. Cut off the supply. And the man said, oh, I don't want my granddaughters to, my grandchildren to suffer. And the man says that they will not suffer. Cut off the supply. And many times we fund dysfunction and we complain about dysfunction. I love to help people. But there's some people that I say, sorry. <laughs> it's a bloody waste of money. You have to take this stand. You say, oh, but what if he walks away on my daughter? What if, what if the marriage um, um, crumbles? So bloody what? Oh, pastor, are you saying that people can... Marriages can, 
Sometimes that is what is needed. Now, how do you know? How do you know that if she takes the stand, that the man's eyes will clear and he will have to fight for his family? You don't know. But you also don't know what if he never recovers from it. You also don't know. But one thing you know, this abuse will not continue. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. The man is beating you. You are his punching bag. Boom, 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 boom. The first time, the second time, the third time, you, whenever you come, you know, there's a lady that came to see me. She was wearing goggles. Then you defend him. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, pastor, it's not his fault. Ah, his father was very violent. Oh, pastor, you need to understand the, the context. Keep receiving the punches. No problem. I pray it doesn't kill you. But if it does, it won't be the first. If you just go ahead and marry another Susie. <laughs> Two months after. Now, I know some of you don't like, you are, you are really boning at me right now. I know what I'm saying is not popular. But it's the truth. As long as you continue to fund the dysfunction, to enable the dysfunction, it will continue. Until you confront it. There can be no transformation without confrontation. None. None. You know. I know some of you say, oh, but pastor, we, we have different personalities, you know. <laughs> you know. But guess what? We, we, have you noticed that some people like um, working hard and some people don't like working hard? Even students. Some students like reading their book. Some students don't like reading their book. Right? Does that change the exam that they're going to write? They say, okay, all of you that you don't like reading your books, come to this side. All of you that you like reading your books, life does not differentiate. You need to learn the life skills you need, regardless of your personality, and stand tall. Okay, fine. So, what should I do? Stand tall. Confront the abuse. Oh, so, oh, Pastor, what if it, it goes out of hand? Sometimes things go bad before they get better. You know, I've, I've shared a couple of times that I think I have the gift of goodbyes. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> but even at that, confrontation is never easy. Even for someone like me that I think um, I don't have a problem confronting anybody, it's never easy. Confrontation is always tough. I know that. But there cannot be freedom without it. So I choose to be free. Praise the Lord. It's never easy. 
I want to close with a story. It's a very personal story to me. And even every time I talk about it, I think about it, sometimes I get teary because I, 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 I feel funny. But I knew I did the right thing. It's a tough story, at least for me. I grew up with six of us, five boys, one girl. You know the story, right? Or at least how many we are. And I'm number what? Three. Good. <laughs> but for some strange reason, listen, for some strange reason, I was my father's favorite child. For some strange reason. I wasn't the first, I wasn't the last, I wasn't any criteria you can use, I wasn't. But for some strange reason, I was his favorite child. And he didn't hide it from anybody. I've seen my father <laughs> did horrible things to my mom because of me. I don't like it. I didn't like it. Anything my mother wanted to get, and she couldn't get it, she told me. I didn't know because I was too small at the time. She told me that all she needed to do is to say to me, go and tell daddy we need this. And that was it. It was done. Once Femi asked daddy, it was done. I love hanging out with him. We read newspaper together. I was maybe seven, eight. He would tell me to read Punch, the story of Awolo and Akito. <laughs> and he would tell me to analyze the political scene. You know, why this person did this, why this person did that. And I'm like, okay. At a young age, I was engaging those things. When we were separated, I was always going to his house on Saturdays to wash his clothes and just talk with him. I mean, I, I loved my father. And he loved me. But every time he comes to visit us, the visitation always ends in a huge fight between him and my mom. And for the next at least two weeks, my mom would be so sad, unhappy. And when she gets herself back on her feet, three months, he visits again. And it's the same pattern. And the fight is usually very huge. And it went on and on and on. I remember back, back then, we were living at K2. I was about 17, 18, I don't know. When I was a teenager. And I was at the kitchen and I saw him coming in from the gate. You know, there's a walkway at least about 40 meters. 30 to 40 meters between the gate and the house. And I saw him coming. And the house, everybody was happy at the time. I mean, we, were, we had recovered from the bad things. And, you know, and everybody was having fun. And I knew what was going to happen. That once he comes in, it's going to end in a fracas. So I stepped out of the kitchen. And I stood at the walkway. And he came. 
And he greeted me, and he wanted to pass, and I blocked him. And I said to him, Daddy, go back. Now, now, listen, my father is, has never been used to anybody giving him orders. Never. Nobody dares it. Nobody dares it. And he looked at me. And he wanted to take another route. And I blocked him. And I said to him, go back now. And, you know, he knew I could break his head. That was how I was. I'm not like that anymore. He was still bigger than me, taller than me at the time. So he would have overpowered me, but he knew I was going to fight him to the last. He knew it. And for the first time, my father cried. I've never seen him cry before then. Tears were rolling down his eyes. He dropped his head and turned back and left. That was the end of the abuse. Well, I'm not sure. After the first worship experience, my wife had to encourage me because she knows that it's a very tough thing for me. Even now, when I think about it, because shortly after that, he died. So those were my last memories of my father. I'm happy I stood up for my mom. In fact, my mom was shocked that I would be the one to start up. I mean, you don't want to go into that story. I'm happy I did, but I'm not happy that my father had to take the flak. But, but somebody had to do it. Nobody was doing it. Somebody had to do it. And I did it. Now the question to you is this. What do you need to confront why did I share this story? I share this story so that you don't think that, oh, it's all easy for, oh, you can just say that. No, 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 no. Confrontation is tough. It's hard. At the end of the day, I know that I'm happy before God that I did what I did. But it doesn't make it easier. Any easier. So what do you need to confront? Let's burn our hearts, let's burn our heads. I want us to pray. What do you need to confront? Or who do you need to confront? I want you to ask for grace. Talk to God. Talk to God and ask for grace. And talk to God. And ask for grace and talk to God. For some of us, we need to confront ourselves. You are slipping into bad behavior. Horrible behavior. You need to confront yourself. That's the first person you need to confront. You're like, Pastor, I need to confront myself. I need to surrender to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Or you're like, I used to be born again. I used to be with God. But I'm backsliding. I'm far from God. Pastor, I want to confront myself. I want to surrender to God. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you now. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pull up your hand now over your head quickly, and I'll pray with you. God bless you. If I pull up your hand, pull up your hand well, well, well over 
your head. God bless you. God bless you. Over there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Not on your head. God bless you, my brother. Over there. Over your head. Over. Not on your God bless you, my brother. Over there. God bless you. Thank God for strong men. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister. Over here. God, God bless you. Thank God for strong men. You are surrendering to God. You are confronting yourself. That is me. Put it up. Put it up. Once you have the card, you can put down that hand and cry to God. Say, God of heaven, have mercy upon me. 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 Who else? If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. Who else? Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We ask that you receive us, Lord, totally into your kingdom according to your word. Banish fear from every life in this place and over the internet in Jesus' name. The grace, Lord, to stand on our stand, to take our place on our stand and fulfill our destinies in you give unto us. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.